too much there. Too much Chesteroonie. on TV, on the computer, computer TV, wave of the future, wave of the future, wave of the future, wave of the future, wave of the future. Ah, <coughs> uh, <coughs> hey guys, so <coughs> in about a half an hour, apparently Trump's going to have a speech, well, I'm going to do a react. How's that sound? Does that sound like fun? He's probably going to announce that there's some experimental vaccine that they're going to like fast track, which genius. It's, it is exactly what a really dumb guy would do in this situation. What would a really stupid person do? Tell everybody that there's going to be a vaccine. doesn't matter if it's going to work or if there is one, just tell them and then they'll vote for you goes well with the hydrochloroquine thing and all the fucking patent medicines and, and snake oil they've been selling his whole career. Uh, that's the thing about the Republican Party, most of all, is that they, because they fully embrace the notion of the marketized self, the, the individuated market actors, the only moral node, they have no compunctions about ripping each other off all the time. I mean, we saw it with the GoFundMe. Chris Kobach is a good example. Uh, ben Carson and, and, and Trump and all these guys selling old people medicine that will kill them. Even though they're also their voters. That's one of the things that undermines rule, uh, capitalist rule, is, is, that, is that at a certain level, competition is mutually destructive. And competition for for favor within a structure like the Republican Party uh, is also similarly self-defeating in the long run. But in the short run, it can be incredibly effective. Ah, but that's because, as I was saying yes, uh, the other day, I was talking about how uh, Democrats are, like, they're not just consumed, they're not just enthralled to this overpowering superego. I would actually say that Democrats function as the superego of the American political system. And the Republicans are the id. And the ego is capital. And the id has to be kept in check or else the whole thing will destroy itself. And the fact that the, uh, the, very, the, the things within that superego super model, both as a party and as the psychology of people who choose to become Democrats, eventually undermines the superego's ability to actually check the id in any significant way, leading to a death spiral towards oblivion. But this is interesting, because the vaccine is like the third rail of all the Q stuff. Because people have noticed that one of the things that has made Q expand faster than it might otherwise have is that a lot of relatively apolitical anti-vax people have grabbed onto it, which makes perfect sense. Uh, I mean, anti-vaccination ideology is a perfect expression of alienated, uh, of isolated, atomized alienation in capitalism, right? We have people totally disconnected from any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of uh, even, like, m mental conception that can get around the idea of a vaccine, because in a, in a society that is increasingly technologically uh complicated and necessitates increasing levels of te technological sophistication, there becomes a bigger and bigger uh, psychic uh, gap between sp specialists and the public. I mean, we genuinely actually think that you can fucking, uh, that people should just, why don't you believe in science? Like, I'm sorry, what are most people's interactions with science in their life? They got a combined, what, 100 hours of instruction from a, a fucking bored uh, gym teacher, 
about uh, about mi mitochondria that they do not remember because anyone who actually went to school will can tell you that the sh if you don't get continued exposure to something you will not retain it so even if it ever stuck it was gone by the time you're an adult and then you're just told by this technological priesthood to do this thing why you haven't you haven't ascended the ladder of of uh, of empirical and rational thoughts that get from regular Joe to someone who knows why you should have vaccines. Because we assume that science is apolitical. Oops. Oh, turns out nothing is. Damn. Owned again. Owned again by the political reality than the fact that that's what reality is. Shit. Fuck. And so there's, and because the Democratic Party, as you know, the party of, uh, the party of freaking science and facts, they're hostile to the anti-vaxxers. But the thing is, is a lot of these people, because it's a cross-section of people and it's sort of a, a natural out, a, outcropping of different uh, social phenomena, it's a reaction to different social contexts. A lot of anti-vax people do not have reactionary social views. And so they don't really want to be a Republican either. Until, and then Q comes along to solve the puzzle. To, to provide what no one really other had, no one else was even trying to do, which was a broader uh, 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 context for their specific alienation. And what that means is, is that when, and so now Q has a bunch of people who aren't really along for the ride on Trump specifically. That came later. The vaccines were first. A lot, most Q, the Q people, the original Q, and like this is how, this is how religions and, and political uh, movements always splinter. Because you have one group of people who emerge uh, to begin something or sign on in an early stage because they have fixation around the certain thing that, that at that moment is represented by that movement. But over time, the movement changes as conditions and um, uh, events occur uh, and as people respond to it and join it, bringing in new concerns. And so you end up with, over time, sort of these, these fissures along lines of who showed up when, basically, because that's going to influence what you are, what is what you cared about. Like, Q got all the, they sopped up all the Trump psychos very quickly because they needed a, a, an explanation for why things weren't changing, why they didn't feel like they were winning, even though, and even though all the libs are being triggered every day. But that's something that a relatively apolitical anti-vax person doesn't care about. They don't need to square the circle of why epic uh, meme Trump is not uh, poning the libs. They don't think of things that way. But they do care about vaccines. And here's a movement that says, hey, here are the people who want you to be vaccinated, and here's the people who are trying to stop them. Okay, that's Donald Trump, great. But if, uh, if he's really going out there going, vaccine, folks, you gotta love it. You go, bing, bong, and then you're better. It's like magic. I said it would just go away. And it did. It's going away. Bye-bye. By Christmas. There's going to be no more COVID by Christmas. And we're going to be saying Merry Christmas, by the way. We're going to do it. We're going to say Merry Christmas. And we're all going to be alive. Everyone I'm talking to, everyone who hears this, will be alive. I promise. Because we got it. That's going to fucking rattle the cages of the people who actually care about vaccines. And that could cause a little fracture. Now, if vaccine doesn't really show up until Biden, oh, that will only solidify the connection between the GOP on one end, the, the, the heuristic, sort of the social heuristic uh, of Q in the middle, and then anti-vax alienated sentiment on the other end. Just a perfect, uh, uh, or the other way around, I guess. Just a perfect conveyor belt from, from anti-vax sentiment to the Republican Party. Because now you will have uh, the entire Democratic Party aligned around Ending COVID as quickly as possible so that Biden can be as much of a contrast with Trump as possible. Like, people were dying like flies, and now we got Biden and there's a, a vaccine. And so there's going to be this huge, huge Democratic pressure to get epically down with the fucking owning vaccine. And that's going to only compact the snowball even tighter. And since there's a lot of native anti-vax sentiment, because there's a lot of native alienated anti-technology sentiment, basically neo-Ludditeism, because people have no investment in these technologies. They don't know why they exist, they don't know how they work, and they don't even see the benefits of them. Okay, so now that people are saying it's a blood plasma treatment, so we're talking about like a serum, like at the end of Outbreak, like a synthesized thing of blood. 
Uh, that might make a difference for some people, but I got to say that most of your vaccine people might not like that. But that's enough of a distinction that it might be able to, to just like keep the, keep the uh, defection to a minimum. Oh, my, man. And especially if it's all bullshit and it never appears, which it probably won't realistically, then when we do get a vaccine under Biden... You will have the perfect morality play of epic Trump was going to epically save us with a real epic science. And then the lizard people using Biden as their puppet stole the election and then instituted the vaccine. You will see upwards of a 40% refusal to vaccinate. I would say you will almost have, you would have something like that. 35 to 40 Higher income, of course, higher, among the Republicans, the higher the income, the more likely you would be to just take the vaccine. Because the less you need Q, the less you need to reconcile, because the better things are going for you. And so if it's a choice between keeping the charade up and doing the fucking uh, proofs and being able to go to, uh, to Fuddruckers, that's not a hard call. But as I have said, and someone can explain to me why I'm wrong about this, if we get a vaccine, say in, in a year and a half, Let's say, let's be optimistic. Biden gets in, we get a vaccine within three months, which is not wildly unrealistic. I mean, it depends on who you talk to, because there's people who insist anything less than anything younger, earlier than five years isn't going to happen. But I've heard other people say that it could. In this case, you have so many fucking people working on it that if you're sharing information, at least you could expedite it much more fast. Whatever. Let's just say early early Biden term, right after the 100 days, say, we get a vaccine. Uh, so we get a vaccine under, under him. That will be telling them they intervened to stop us from getting cured from the disease they gave us in a way that would have stopped us. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got off my train of thought. So there's a vaccine that comes out like three months after Biden, that means people start getting it. And I know people are worried. Well, what if you got 40% who won't take it? And like I'm saying, it's going to be 25 to 30%. Maybe 20, let's say 25. We're, talk, we're talking like the hardcore. Oh my God. Maybe 30. Uh, what's, is that a big deal? Other than to them, you know, like, yeah, they're going to keep getting COVID and they're going to they're gonna be thinned out. But for everyone else, can't you just go back out? Because everybody you see will either have also been vaccinated or even if they haven't, it doesn't matter because you're vaccinated. Am I wrong about this? Wouldn't you just be like, oh, I'm vaccinated. Now I can go outside. Like you wouldn't even need to have little bracelets to, to ensure that people were vaccinated because if everybody is vaccinated or they, ha- or they have it, then what's the problem? And I guess the question is, well, what if you have it? But to that I say, there are only cert- there are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. And force vac- uh, forcibly vaccinating that many people is a thing you can't do and still have a democracy. So, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to... You're just going to have to work it out yourself. You know? You'll either catch it and be cured, or catch it and then get over it, in which case, hey, you got anybody, it's great, come through in the party... You'll catch it and die, in which case, that's too bad, but what do you want people to do about it? Uh, or you'll eventually get the vaccine. Like, what is the... I'm not talking about if it works or anything like that. I'm saying, hypothetically, if it did, if it was an effective vaccine, would not. what would the difference be about whether or not we could actually, like, reopen and try to reestablish normality? Big, big LOL on that concept. But what would, what, what would an effect, how would an effect, how would the question, I'm guessing what I'm asking is, and someone answer me now after I've clarified it, what would, what is the actual consequence, like in terms of, uh, what is the consequence of a mass refusal to take the vaccine on the project of reopening uh, pu- public spaces and allowing people to go inside places and go to baseball games and all that stuff? What is what what is the what is them not getting it? How does that stop you from doing the other thing? 
See, people are saying, well, some people can't get vaccines. Sure, but that's not everybody. If you're saying people are going to die, sure, but how do you stop that? Okay, so everyone is basically saying it comes down to the poor unfortunates who can't get vaccinated and can't depend on herd immunity. To which I say, that sucks, but what do you do about it realistically? If the, because the only alternative I'm reminding you is some sort of coercive vaccination program on millions of people. Are you willing to do that? And more importantly, do you think that the, the political capacity exists for anyone to do that in this country? Someone says vaccine is not effective if everyone doesn't have it. If I'm vaccinated, then I can't get it, right? It's effective in that way. What I'm saying is every person who's vaccinated now has a simplified risk calculus of going outside. You're saying no, getting vaccinated doesn't mean you won't get it. Okay, but it significantly increases the likelihood you won't get it, right? What is the percentage? Like if it's zero, you have zero protection. What is the, what is the uh, amount that you would uh, be protected? Someone give me a, a, a percentage. Like, if I'm going to get 100 exposures to COVID, what percentage of those would be prevented from turning into an infection by the vaccine? 69%? That's funny. So it's not, it's not a guaranteed cure, but it is a significant prophylactic, is what you're telling me. This is an, it's like you're saying, you're acting like there's no, like a distinction doesn't matter. Like you either, no, no, you could get it. Therefore, it's as good as not getting one. And you should act like you didn't get one. And I don't think that's true. I don't think you guys are assessing risk properly. You guys are talking about herd immunity. I'm talking about individual person getting it. I need someone to distinguish. You're all throwing numbers around here. I need, what are you talking about in terms of, I get it. How many times out of 100 will I not get corona if I'm exposed to it? That's not, I'm not asking about herd immunity numbers. No, they're not the same thing. Oh my God. You can't know in advance is what they're saying. But it's more than zero, right? It's more than zero. What I'm, all I am saying is that you, if you could get a thing that millions of people could use and would, I think millions of people would get vaccinated immediately, wouldn't you just go outside? Wouldn't you just go to the ball game? At that point, aren't you tamping it down enough that everybody except the most freaked out people are going to be fine with going out? This is all I'm asking. I'm not asking. I don't know. The science is beyond me. I'm not that guy. I'm asking about the social psychology of reopening with a vaccine, even if people don't take it. You guys are all like getting, well, no, no, people, some people, uh, yeah, I'm talking, that's an individual calculus of someone who's incredibly online and focused on this shit and filtering. I'm talking about regular people, hey, there's a vaccine now. Will they not just go out? And could they not probably just go out until it's, uh, uh, until it's sorted itself out? I'm only asking because Are you guys who are fixating on these numbers and worried about all these people, are you saying that we should forcibly vaccinate millions of people? This is what I want to know. So that's what I'm asking. I'm hearing yes. I'm hearing forcible vaccination. (laughs) Okay. I mean, if you think that that's the right thing to do, a feasible thing to do, or the smart thing to do, I don't know what to tell you. saying realistically what happens is hey everyone's speaking like i'm just saying is that there's this like oh no we're gonna get a vaccine and it won't matter because people won't take it and i am saying no we will get a vaccine people won't take it but everyone else will just kind of go along with it and it'll eventually sort itself out that's what i'm saying and yeah you can have like an incentive structure you can say like hey you get like a tax refund if you get the vaccine or something although that's a bad idea because then people who would get it otherwise just say will say they won't so they can get the money.
He says, no, so he says, eventually, after another 50,000 dead, no biggie. You people, it's amazing how this happens. All of these moral questions get cut off from each other and, and examined individually. And, and say, and through a lens of, of, of total isolation, like a butterfly in a fucking under, under glass. I'm not talking about 50,000 people dying because we just kind of let people get vaccinated and deal with it. I'm talking about that versus what? The fucking 82nd Airborne vaccinating people? You, you, those things have to be held at the same time in your hands. They're not considered individually. I mean, yeah, you could do, I mean, obviously you do the thing of, uh, you can't go to, kids can't go to school if they don't get the vaccine. Yeah, duh, that's easy. That's not, that's a no brainer, but there's, you think it's just going to be kids? Of course, there's one, op- the other option, and this is, I guess you would argue the most moral option. And that is you get the vaccine, people won't take it. But then you don't reopen the economy and you don't let people go back out again and you keep things closed down because of that herd immunity and those vulnerable people. And that is another one where I think that is more morally defensible and in fact morally superior and abstract to either of the other two options. But it is, I think, similarly uh, inconceivable both as politics and as policy. So I just want to know, like, when people are arguing these things in isolation, I like to bring them back together and then ask people, like, you, you, you want to make, like, these very strident demands of the moment, but that means that you have to be willing to embrace the implications of those. And this specific instance I'm referring to, it's mass-forced vaccination. And now the, vir- the virtues and vices of that as a policy, uh, I'm not that interested in talking about because it's never going to happen. But I would just like to say that I think that they're pretty fucking complicated and it's not a no-brainer and it needs to be considered when you're considering other things. But uh, if there's a blood serum, I don't think it will actually ever be released, which is too bad. Uh because it makes way more sense to promise it. Uh, he actually, it's a kind of amazing, the brazenness of it. Right before the, uh, right before the midterms, he said, we're going to pass a bill, a huge middle-class tax cut. We're going to pass it. Middle-class tax cut. Midterms happened. It never, he never mentioned it again. He gets elected. It's like blood serums out the windows. He could just say, all he'd have to say is, we looked into it, and it looks like the vaccine is going to be better. It's going to be better, so we're going to wait for the vaccine. Okay? We're going to wait. We're going to wait for the vaccine. Uh, and if that happens, then you will definitely see some stress within the Q community over the, over the question. But if it was real, and they did actually put it out there, wow, I would not take that. That's, I will say that just right now. But I would be very interested in seeing who did and what happened as a result. And you know what? It might be good. It might work. But I would certainly want to wait and see. I would not want to be in the first wave or second wave of getting that thing. So, now I want to speak uh, Wait a minute, somebody said I won't take the Trump vaccine and that that's like the, the Trump people not taking it. This is not a vaccine, people are saying. That's the whole point, is that they're saying it's some sort of blood serum. And that they're like pushing it through experimental trials or whatever. Considering what these guys like to put out as public, 
I would not take that. And like I said, it doesn't even exist. I mean, in terms of it being a real uh, uh, product that will actually be available, certainly before the election. I mean, the hydrochloroquine thing was just an earlier version of that. Find a thing that exists to throw it at so that people will stop freaking out about it. And now my pillow guy has got another one, which is apparently even more deadly to the per, uh, to people who take it, more poisonous than hydrochloroquine, uh, which is very funny. Uh, yeah, they don't care. Oleander, right? That's it. Yeah, that's why Mike Lindell is my pick for the guy. Everyone says, who's going to emerge from after Trump? And a lot of it depends on, does Trumpism survive intact or does it break up? If it breaks up, I think all bets are off and a bunch of options come up. Tucker Carlson gets brought up a lot. I think that's potentially true. I have less, uh, I'm less sanguine about any of the politicians, the actual political figures, because they're such stiffs. Uh, but they could grab, they could like pick back up a, a chunk, like the people who used to be Ted Cruz people before they decided Trump was the king. Maybe they can be weaned back towards regular politics. The 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 people who are Trump from the jump are not are beyond help. So that chunk is going to have to be suborned somehow, uh, because they will only take the reticent meat. But I think the my pillow guy, you know, I think he's got it. He's got the story. He's got the just dumb guy voice and attitude. He's more authentically himself, I think, than any of these other people, including Tucker fucking Carlson, who is as phony as a $3 bill. I know these guys like him, but come on. Trump lies more than any American president ever. He lies compulsively, but he is also the most authentic president we've ever had. And I don't know, and I think that's what they're addicted to. I think that the real Trump heads are addicted to that. And that's a lot of people now in the Trump, in the Democrat, and it's not everybody in the Republican party. People say the party is Trump now. It's like, that's because of the array of forces. Like, they like Trump because libs hate him. And, and like, it's a context. If he's gone, then their calculus changes. If there's another option, their calculus changes. But that chunk, man, they're not going anywhere. And they want authenticity more than anything. And that's why I got, they're never going to fucking cleave to a guy like Cotton or fucking Hawley. Uh, they're going to need they're going to need the real the real thing. Just a person who, even if he's lying to them, is lying to them from a place of sincerity. If you know what I mean. Uh, and that, to me, the only figure on the national stage right now who fits that is my pillow guy. What I mean by Trump is authentic is that he is transparent. Trump does not have an artifice. He is naked raw need. He is naked raw aggrievement, as are his f- fans. He reflects their experience in, in, a, in a magnified fantasy version. He is them, someone who has spent their entire life getting basically what they want and have been driven insane by it. And so that connection is more authentic than the connection between any, pol- any president and any chunk of the electorate, in my opinion. My pillow guy, put money on him. Uh, uh, so I wanted to say something about the Snyder Cut, which is apparently coming, and I'm very excited. I'm glad they got it. And someone had a very good tweet the other day where they said, because now there's the tweet, teaser trailer, tr- teaser trailer, a teaser trailer for it out, and they said, uh, they said. That people hate the Snyder Cut people because they're the only ones on Twitter who actually ever got anything done by tweeting. Uh, And I thought that was very, very correct and astute. But, and that's why I can't wait to see the movie, though. uh, Because Snyder really does represent, culturally, a very similar figure uh, to Trump in that he is such a... A, a figure that has been fixated on at like a psychic uh, libidinal level, like at the level of fantasy, at the level of identification. There's been a, a psychic fusion with the concept of Zack Snyder that is similar to the way people feel about Trump. And it's from a subset of people uh, who are essentially 
the same sort of stunted man-child as most people of their age, right? They grew up in the same culturally desertified America where the, the cultural output was such that they never had any pressure to move towards anything challenging artistically. They stuck at the level of adolescent art. But they are, and that happened to a lot of people. It happened to me. You know, I'm trying to break through that. I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading again and I'm enjoying it. But for a while there, I was just like, turn my brain off, just at the level of junk. And I'm going to critique it through a lens and that makes it smart. I'll fully cop to that. And that's, a, that's an endemic phenomenon. But there are some guys among that who are cursed with a specific alienation, a specific uh, uh, discomfort within the culture, usually around some sort of grievement uh, that makes them aware that they are enmeshed in a in network of kitty bullshit and at a deep level dissatisfied with it, but unable to break out of it. They cannot transcend the thing because they aren't aware of the conflict. They don't know what, why they're actually dissatisfied with this cultural context. They don't know what their soul is really crying for, which is something transcendent. They can't even see it. They, they're, they're, they're like dogs, as I said, and uh, dogs can't look up, as I said in Shaun of the Dead. Uh, they're unaware of, this, of the thing that's actually the engine of their dis- dissatisfaction. And so the way that they, uh, that they manage that, the, 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 the gap between the art that they kind of are aware dimly that they should be consuming and what they do is to take the garbage crap that we all consume and divide it into kitty bullshit and adult real art. They don't realize, though, that they are already working in the limited horizons of the culture that they live within, and that the real problem is that they aren't pushing through them. They aren't resolving the contradiction. They're trying to to sublimate it. And so that's why they hate Marvel. Like Marvel is kitty bullshit. This is for little children. Now, Zack Snyder, that's real art. And then they have to, and because they know at their heart of hearts that that's not a convincing argument, because they're not convinced, because they're so miserable, they're still unhappy with it. It doesn't work for them. It doesn't provide the sucker that they think it can. They have to put off that extra energy onto resentment towards people who would deny the, the reality that they are the adults, that this is serious art. And so they they fixate on fighting on behalf of uh, of Snyder within the cultural realm. If any of this sounds familiar, by the way. Please let me know. If any of this rings any bells in terms of the way that cultural conversations and political conversations are conducted and who is conducting them, uh, let me know. And so that's why they demanded the Snyder Cut, because the Snyder Cut is Prester John. The Snyder Cut is the resolution of the contradiction. The Snyder Cut is the movie that will finally validate their point of view. It's the movie that will finally give them the transcendent experience that they cannot receive from the limited, stunted art that they consume, but still believe is possible because it could be produced by Zack Snyder if the feminist fucking bitches SJWs didn't stop him because they were too triggered by how awesome he was. He's, he's, going, to re- he's going to redeem them. He, that, that's, that movie will redeem them, and that's why they fixated on so much. But within these kind of questions... The worst thing in the world is getting what you want. It is absolutely the curse. because, And the reason they're not happy now. Like, they won. They actually did it. They succeeded. And they're still out there screaming at everyone who is even mildly disrespectful to Zack Snyder or to his, the fucking trailer or whatever. Like, why are you mad, dude? Why are you so pissed? You won. Why are you so pissed? It's because they know, deep down, that it's not going to do it. It's not Now that they have it, they're not going to be satisfied with it. And of course, when they see it, they're going to be blown away. It's going to, resist, it's going to sit there for a while. They're going to have triumph in their hearts. But it's never going to do what they want. They're imagining it. When they're defending it, the movie in their head that they're defending now is not the movie that they will see. It can't be the movie they will see. It will be less than. It will not com- complete the circuit that they think it will because no movie like that can complete the circuit that they're demanding of it they will then be left to start the circle again. 
and and turn it and and you know what it'll be the argument will be i don't feel the way i should about seeing this because those fuckers those marvel scumbags those sjw pink hairs they didn't like it they didn't recognize how good it was they didn't recognize that it was great because the wicked flea were non pursue it they know it's not great they know deep down it's not great the, the person reminding of them them that of people who are reminding them with every utterance that it wasn't that great will drive them insane and it will turn them towards the same cycle of resentment and there'll be an, and because as long as Zack Snyder makes movies the next one can be the one the next one can be the promised land there'll be pie in the sky when you die and on earth they're just going to stay they're going to be mole people digging through the cultural dirt looking for a nugget of shit and screaming at everybody else because they can't reckon with the reality of the insufficiency of what they've been uh, consuming. And it goes the other way, too. The Marvel soy people who hate uh, Zack Snyder, uh, they, I don't think they would argue that it's... that. I think they would, they would be like, you think I, I don't understand uh, that, uh, Mar- that comic book movies aren't great art? Uh, buddy, I know they're not great art. That's not their point of delusion. They aren't deluded that this is great art, that this is adult uh, entertainment, which it is not. It is for kids, and that's fine. Kids can watch it, and adults can watch kid movies and enjoy them. You just can't make it your entire fucking cultural diet, and that's all these people eat. Their teeth are fucking rotted from the fucking sugar. They're just eating, uh, they're eating the, fr- the Lucky Charms All Marshmallows every day for fucking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and their teeth are rotting out of their head, and they have no idea why. They think some fucking, somebody's poisoning them or something. They think the SJWs or something, somebody or whatever are poisoning them. But the Marvel soy people, who like gesture towards higher, higher, uh, higher intellectual aspirations because they watch prestige TV. They don't really read. I mean, and maybe they read a few books. They read more books than the Snyder guys do, but not that many more. Uh, and they watch better TV shows. So they would say, yeah, no, I understand, but this is mass culture and we have to deal with it. And it has its own values and I'm fully... But... They fight the same war, but it's along a political axis, not an aesthetic one. The Snyder movies are problematic. The the Snyder movies are dude bro. The Snyder movies are toxic masculinity and fascist and make people go on school shootings and make the world a worse place. Marvel movies are about inclusion. Marvel movies are about acceptance. They're about everyone uh, recognizing uh, the epic winness of diverse multicultural uh, America. And so watching them and enjoying them makes me a good person. The Snyder guy doesn't care about being a good person. He's, just a fucking, he's epically uh, twisted. He cares, though, about being a smart person. He cares about being intellectually advanced, in a way incommensurate with his actions, which are watching shit. The Marvel person, the soy man of the Marvel world, he sees himself, first and foremost, as good. Smart, too, of course. But he has more pretensions there because he has, in his mind, has something other than Marvel that he can point to. Even though it's not much better. Even though it's, it's like, oh, wow, you have the Lucky Charms with the, uh, the, the grain part for dinner every day. Much better. But it's enough for him to see a distinction. And distinction's all that matter. The only thing that matters is that you notice a distinction. What they care about is being a good person. And watching this shit makes them feel good. That they're good people, and they're advancing good... And they're making the world a better place by telling people to watch Black Panther. But they are... And so, the question of, like, well, how come things are still shitty? How come the world sucks dicks through a straw? Maybe your actions aren't enough. Maybe what you have decided is your activism is hollow masturbatory bullshit and self-delusion. Because, wow, nothing seems to be getting any better... Uh, their answer is, well, it's the fucking Snyder people. They keep putting bad culture out there. If we just had soy epic Marvel stuff, if that was all that was out there, oh man, we would have pie in the sky when we die. We would have a just society, and we would be the vanguard of creating one. It's these motherfuckers. And so they have to epically own the Snyder people. But it's the same process. It's, it's a laundry, it's, it's a cultural laundering of uh, alienation. And in this case, alienation from the self. Alienation from one's deeper aspirations because of the suffocating blanket of cultural uh, hegemony produced by a mass market capitalist 
cultural productions. And I hope, and I want to re 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 reinforce the fact, uh, the, the, reemphasize that that phenomenon, that, that, the structure of that dynamic, that's universalizable along every axis of politics. When people are unaware of the source of their dissatisfaction around a part of their life, they find a, uh, a spectral cause that they can engage with uh, at, at, the, at, a, at a, a removed level from the reality of their, of their alienation and uh, despair. And then they are met by people who have a similarly uh, allied uh, alienation, but find them to be this, the, the, the symbol, or their, their ideas, or their phenomenon to be the symbol of their, of their hatred. So, oh shit, the thing started. All right, I'm going to go on Twitter here and see if anything's hashtagging. Oh, they wanted... Who's hashtagging? Who's trending? Who's trending and hashtagging? I just started the August Willich book. Shout out to David Dixon who sent me a copy of his book. The book that I wanted to write uh, back in 2014 but lacked the uh, uh, scholarly rigor or training... Uh, language skills, uh, attention, general brain power to do. And uh, when I abandoned it, I felt kind of reassured knowing that this story was so good someone was going to fucking do it. And I did the, an inebriated past about Willich just so that something was out there. Uh, and now there's a freaking uh, a book by David Dixon called Radical Warrior. That's the life of my boy, uh, David Dixon. And I would like to shout out to him for acknowledging in the very second sentence of his acknowledgments how much of a bitch it is to translate Fractor uh, on old documents. That's actually the thing more than anything else. I have very bad German skills. I took it all through college. I never got it in my brain. It's like math. There are certain symbolic orders that my brain cannot really process, at least not in a way that I know how to like push forward without just giving up out of laziness. And that is languages and, uh, or foreign languages and numbers. They don't work for me. And uh, so that really hurt. But I figured I could, like, bullshit it. I could, like, you know, kind of squint at it and get maybe help. But it was trying to get from the fractured German to even German. Could never do it. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just glad somebody wrote it. And it's like, I'm, I didn't write it. But now the good thing is, is I get to read it, which is more fun, definitely, than writing. Oh, my God, that sucks. All right. Uh, let's see. Nothing's trending yet. Is this thing happening? None of the trending topics are relating to, uh, to, relating to Trump. Is it ha do they, do they delay it? I'm going to go to CNN here. I'm going to go to the fake news media. Oh, yeah, i got to turn that off. Jumps coronavirus announcement. Convalescent plasma. So is this treating it after you get it? Is this a way to treat it once you have it, or is it a prophylactic for it? Yeah, see, they're saying it's been used to treat patients, but that's people who have it. That's different. Like, what people want is a prophylactic. Because nobody wants to get it. It's like, hey, this, is, this will make you less likely to die if you get the thing that, like, permanently scars your fucking blood vessels. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, they're not saying if it's treating... Maybe he'll say today. It doesn't look like he's out yet. I don't know. Uh, 
Um, yeah, it's not good. I mean, uh, he's just, they're expedite, they're going to expedite it. Come on. Come on. You really think it's going to, if anybody thinks this expedition uh, is, is consummated by November 5th, there's a couple of bridges in the near vicinity that I live in that I could fucking sell you. There's 0% chance that's going to happen. But it'll be a big thing that his supporters can wrap in their head as a reason that he needs to get reelected. Uh, and it might work on a few saps. But at this point, if you're that big of a sap, I think you just already like Biden, you know? Or I mean, sorry. If you're a big enough sap to do that, I think you're already like on board with Trump. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, he's going to say we're going to expedite it. And what's really interesting is that, I was reading the article, is that they're saying that like, this is stuff that's been tried in Europe and FDA, or the FDA is, is holding off because they need more confirmation. And of course, Trump just gets to say, no, they're doing it to stop me from winning. They don't want, they don't want a big win. They're doing it. And it's like, once you've exposed the meta that way in politics, you are, have ascended to God mode because you can neutralize anything. It's a question of getting 51% of people to accept that line of reasoning. That's the problem. If, you just, if that just satisfies his base, that's not enough. Like, we're really in a question... Like, this election really does come down to the pliant middle, right? So you've got the two... We're talking about the three balls of people, right? You've got the Republicans and the Democrats, and then you've got that third floaty ball in the middle of people who do not... I'm not necessarily that they might vote more one way or the other. It's the more important thing is that they do not consciously filter outside events through a partisan lens, the way that Republicans and Democrats do. And these are the guys that are for the jump ball, and they're essentially being asked to respond to one of two fantasies. And I think this is probably true in every election: two projected fantasies uh, of reality. Uh, one from Trump that. 170,000 people is a totally acceptable number of people to die during a thing like this. Uh, it's all the Chinese fault anyway. And, you know, those state governors. Uh, and what about Fauci? That guy's, uh, guy's he's very, very, very bad. He's very bad for me. And the other who says Joe Biden writes his own speeches. Uh, and uh, actually, Joe Biden uh, can fix all of this. And that this isn't just a systemic problem that's going to continue until uh, it, like, runs into uh, either technology or calamity, which is basically all of our problems now. Like, there's either going to be t- a point where technology intervenes to, re- to uh, inhibit collapse, or uh, it just keeps sliding off the fucking pool table. Uh, but no, no, Biden's going to fix it. Biden's going to make any of this work. Those are two fantasies. And I'd say the one thing that gives Trump an edge there, and I think that is the thing that you know, I'm not one of these people who say, oh, Trump's definitely going to win or watch this horrible convention and say, look at how terrible that is. Biden's doomed. I don't think that's true at all. I'd say Biden's still the favorite. Uh, but he could absolutely lose even in this situation because that jump ball is being attested by these two fantasies. One is Biden's going to fix all the boo-boos and he writes his own speeches and he loves you and he loves ice cream and he loves America and he loves his family and he loves his dead family and he loves cars. Beep, beep. And did I mention he loves you and your family? That's the other one. Trump loves you. Trump's stopping the bad guys. Not even Trump loves you. They hate you. And I'm the one standing between them. Them and you. And they're the reason all these people are dead. And they're the reason everything's bad. And I gotta say, that one has a lot more going for it as a narrative because think about how Q spices that up. Like, what is Biden? Biden is... Trump, bad, naughty man, uh, Cheeto, Russia, good guy, loves America, Jesus, loves you. Trump is cannibals, want to eat your children. I mean, how do you beat that? As just like a brainstem narrative. And of course, the thing that prevents that from being the way the politics goes, because if that worked, everyone would do that. But they don't because there's credulity. It has to be a credible thing. It has to align with the perceptions of a large enough group of people. And that has generally been the thing that has prevented demagoguery from going too out of hand within the democratic system, as we have it. But the problem is, is that that's eroding. Credulity is eroding as the internet dissolves our ability to distinguish reality from fantasy completely. 
And at a certain point, people, because of the stream of information, how fast it moves, throw up their hands and grab for some epistemic life preserver to make sense of it. And since it's all, it's all flow, none of it is material, none of it connects to the world, it's just a, a spectacle, then credulity isn't a question. And cannibals want to eat your children connects. It does not have to go through baffles of, wait a minute, what? Because everything is everything else. Everything is just the flow. It's just a giant river of shit. And you're just looking for a hand. And this hand is telling you that it's... Uh, Democrats want to eat your children. What do Democrats tell you? Trump is Russian? What the fuck? Why, why would that matter? I don't care. Or he's bad and he's bad for people? Most folks aren't thinking that way. That sanctimony is not something a lot of people center in their politics the way that liberals do. The way that liberals do. They do in their own ways. But there's a specific sort of public sanctimony that goes along with, them, with liberalism that liberals generalize. And that is a mistake. So, which of the things am I going to believe? If, I, if, if it's all the same, if it's all, just a, if it's all just a way out of the maze, and it doesn't matter, am I going to pick cannibals are going to be your children, or Joe Biden writes his own speeches? I mean, my God. At that point, aesthetics enter into it and, and like pleasure enters into it. And, and what's more pleasurable than the idea of fit playing in a giant cosmic uh, space adventure? I mean, it's almost like Scientology. It's like Scientology was, I want to take like the vastness of the jet's age, this, this world where God is dying and out of his rotting corpse springs this metal marvel of technological innovation that can end and, and bring life anywhere at a moment and, and allows the idea of a God to be embodied in a man. That's tempting. Feels like anything's possible in that moment. And Hubbard was there to say it is. And Q is, uh, Q is similar in that it's similarly totalizing out of the moment. Because, of course, now it's a moment of catastrophe. That was a moment of, of triumph. That was America transcendent, resplendent, America unbound. This is American decline. Q is Scientology for an American decline. But has the potential to, because the decline is much more accelerated uh, and, society, and the social order is much more frayed so that shit like crackpot worldviews have f- fewer... Uh, resistance points to have to go through they don't, they turn into gamma rays and just pierce your ass it becomes more widespread but that was Mormonism too 19th century the, Amer- the reality of the American frontier had an implication and it was of godhood for man and the Mormons, they were the, they were the most sensitive antenna to connect to that. Just like the Scientologists were to that moment in the 50s. And now Q is in the current moment of crisis and reversal. That's gone. But the need for the narrative, the need for uh, transcendence uh, is, is everywhere. And there's an alternative to it. There's an alternative transcendence to seek, of course, to the Q fantasy of annihilation and, uh, and the Ragnarok. It's that good old thing, socialism. It's, kind of, it's world communism, baby. It's expanding the human spirit till it encompasses all into one self-aware being. A world spirit, if you will. It's the only psychic alternative. It's the only, way to tack, the only other way to tack your boat. Everything else will drift you eventually towards annihilation. Everything, even if you think you're creating a third way, well, congratulations. It might look good for a while. Your, your path might look good for a while. But eventually, the current is going to pull you over to obliteration and annihilation. Eventually, you will resolve all those contradictions towards suicidal destruction. Or you orientate towards yourself towards the awakening of the world spirit. That You might not get there. You might have a life of reversal because you can't control events. You can't control the tide. 
But God damn it, you can grow your muscles as you fucking paddle and you can maybe get there. And along the way, you gain abilities to maneuver and to continue tacking towards uh, righteousness. If anybody is Q in the chat, please let me know. I would be interested. That's why the idea of... uh, Trump, never mind. So there's a number of people claiming to be Q in the chat. Darn, how am I going to tell one from the other? Fuck. Oh, well. Talk about Belarus. What, what would I, why do I know about Belarus? How would I have an informed opinion about Belarus? Oh, I want to say one thing about that. Uh, the I don't even remember the tweet about oh, not voting in the elections, like going to going to a restaurant. There's a bunch of things wrong with all those tweets. Like there's also the David Sedaris one about if you're on the airplane and they give you two choices for a meal, and one of them is chicken and the other is shit. You know, uh, of course, raising the question of why are you on an airplane that has shit in their kitchen? <laughs> Maybe you should get out of there. Uh, it does the specific idiocy of those metaphors is beside the point, although it is manifest and manifold. Uh, the rea- the thing that's hilarious and basic is that it's all viewing. They're telling on themselves. They're subconsciously revealing that the reality that they see. I mean that they see voting as a consumer choice. It is, I mean, like, Adbuster shit is like, oh, Democrats and Republicans, that's like Coke and Pepsi. But then you have actual liberals who fucking, when when trying to create a metaphor to describe the voting process, invariably settle on the metaphor of a consumer choice. When you're pick, when you get two things. And the thing is, they're not wrong about that. It is. But they think that's good. That's bad. <laughs> That's wrong. They think that that is that means that that is a sufficient expression of like some sort of civic democracy. No, no, no. It is insufficient, as insufficient as consumer choices are to stand in for real freedom. Because if consumer choices can stand in for real freedom, what is your problem with any? What is your problem with libertarianism at all? Because the libertarian idea is the freedom is the freedom to choose, as, as, as Friedman put it, and specifically to choose in the market. That's freedom. That is the libertarian notion. That's what undergirds neoliberalism. If you, uh, if you think that's bad, then you don't think that our voting system should reflect that same structure. Because, you know, it's not real freedom. Because if it is real freedom, just be a libertarian. Be a Republican. No, I'm saying um, voting would not be a consumer choice. Voting would be... It would be a culmination of one's political life. 
Not necessarily that you'd have to like be, you know, posting, not that you'd be posting all the time, but that you would have political investment in life. You'd be in a union, you know, you would be managing, say, some sector of your employment. Like I'm talking about should here, I'm talking about hypothetical, say we had a a real existing socialism. Like you would be directing your work life from a position of authority of, of, of co- cooperative authority with the fellow workers rather than subordination to management. Voting is just an expression, uh, a bureaucratic expression of, 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 of those uh, democratic uh, con- uh, structures. It's just a signal point within a corpus, a social corpus that contains the economic and the political in one. That is, that is, the, that is what voting should be. And more importantly, voting that isn't that cannot truly direct the democracy in a way that can that can that can lead, that can create sufficient change for the moment. Let's just say that it can move things. It will it will absolutely move the flow in one or t- another direction, but it cannot do it at, on on the timetable. Let's just say that the current moment requires in terms of urgency around certain questions of ecological viability, for example. And I think you could say, well, well, what about what next? Well, what next is the challenging part. But a lot of the reason that people don't go to what next is, one, they don't really want things to change because they're smug, rich liberals, or they kind of know there's nothing to do, and so they, freak, they, they don't know what else to do, so they clutch that thing that they think they can control. That's why they fetishize the vote so psychotically, because it stands in for a bunch of freedom they know they don't have. And the first step towards breaking from this mind control is to recognize that this consumer model for democracy is, is not operative, is insufficient to the moment. Not that you can't participate in it. Not that you can't run for office. The people shouldn't run for office. And that voting should happen. But that it is insufficient as a sole basis for politics, which is what it is now. Everything is a spook, but the thing that Sterner didn't get is that the ego is the biggest spook of all. The ego is phonier than the rest of it. The, the phoniness and the fakeness and the, and the delusion of the ego is what generates all the fucking social spooks in the first place. It's the, it's the, uh, the containment grid that gets shut down at the end of Ghostbusters and lets everything explode outward. That's why the only way that uh, we could have the uh, social order that allows for real freedom and to banish some of these most harmful spooks is to diminish the ego, not to reify it as the sole uh, aperture of meaning. Good Lord. It's, it, is a, it's a, it's, it is a genuinely counterproductive delusion. We need it in order to know, navigate physical space. But over time, it pulls us out of a social fabric and makes us able, it makes us create structures that enable the delusion of separateness. Are ghosts real? Maybe. I'm now fully on maybe. I'm agnostic now on all para, paranormal uh, stuff. I, if, if aliens exist, I would, I would bet that they were probably uh, extra-dimensional rather than uh, extra-terrestrial. Well, extra-terrestrial technically, yes, but not, not distant in the current moment, in the current universe is what I mean. But maybe. I got the shrugs on all that, because how the hell would I know? I just think of all that dark matter just sitting there. You know, I think of all that dark matter everywhere, all over the place. And how the hell do I know what's in there? What's he building in there? What's he building in there? (coughs) I do love uh, that... Marx wrote more words denouncing Stirner than Stirner wrote himself, which I find very, very Marx of him. He would have been, he would have loved the posting wars. That's the thing. 
but the but but the difference is is that he existed in a cultural context when posting was praxis, due to the emergent nature of uh, of media and the still tight uh, social bonds in emerging uh, uh, working class neighborhoods. in there what's in that there about dark matter Biden wins and things keep getting really terrible and Q-related political violence uh, starts spiking, this is going to be the song of uh, 2021. This is going to be every every other, every third crack-headed or just crack-skulled suburban Q guy whose mortgage is due. Maybe grandma died of COVID. Getting closer to sawing the end off of a shotgun and going to the local Democratic Party headquarters or Papa John's. Well, no, not Papa John's. That's the good pizza. Someone says Second Civil War. Second Civil War, they say. Antifa versus... QAnon. I don't think so, guys. I think that's Portland. I think that's Portland. You can see it as a prefiguration, and I think it is prefigurative in certain ways, certainly a way around the way that uh, what law enforcement is responding. I think that is prefigurative. But the social element, I think, might be specific to that context. The specific social dynamic in Portland between Antifa and the Proud Boys and, and uh, Prayer Circle or whatever the fuck. To me, it feels sort of sui generis, or relative, or, or more like like the, a, a concentration of elements that exist in other places, but that in Portland are so specifically uh, condensed that they lead to the cycle that I don't know is generally relatable. I don't know. I am saying once again from a position of ignorance. I'm doing the shruggy, as always, doing the shruggy, chiving, keeping calm, and chiving on. Uh, stay frosty. Stay thirsty, my amigos.